Brian and I rewatched Hackers the other day, and I forgot how much I loved that movie. Yeah, you know, the, the old Je- um, Angelina Jolie, Johnny Lee Miller movie? Yeah, that one. With Serial Killer and Crash Overdrive and Zero Cool and... Yeah, that one. It's not really a good movie. But why do I love it so much? I think it's because it does something that a movie should do. And this is going to sound really simple and stupid, but it remembered that it's a movie. Now, let me unpack that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And yeah, yeah, we're 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 gonna be talking about hackers today. So if you have not seen this movie, I I, I, I spoilers? It, it, it's 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 not new. And I figure everybody who's probably gonna watch it has watched it. Basically, the plot is two groups of hackers, one good, one evil, the good one being populated by teenagers, uh, face off in the midst of a global crisis caused by one of the other high hackers. And yeah, there's a ending. <laughs> oh man, one of the best things about this movie is how it does not understand its subject matter at all. And that's, I think, what for me makes it secretly brilliant. It's like, I don't know how many of you are familiar with or fans of magical realism, but magical realism is this idea of treating fantasy as ordinary. And there, there's a lot more to it than that, but that, that's the element I want to really focus on for the moment. So, you know, the idea that there's a ghost in the house or that there's an entire world in an oil slick in a pond on a busy city road. Those are just taken for granted. They're not treated as extraordinary or different. They're just part of the world. Magic is ordinary. And in so doing, you can really explore a lot of interesting topics by letting them manifest through this magic in the world. It's a very complex genre and Maybe at some point we will do an entire series on it in the future. But suffice it to say that, that I, I love it. I love magic realism. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And this is a terrible analogy, but in some ways, I almost feel like hackers and other movies of its kind are science realism in that they, they are purely fantasy movies, but they employ magic as an intermediary for science in a way to help get people to understand the science that they're talking about. It, it's a weird thing. There were a lot of these in the 90s where you're not quite sure if the people making the film just completely did not understand the topics that they were dealing with, 
or if they were trying to find a way through the visual medium of cinema to tell a story in a way that is compelling. Hackers, in so many ways, does this better than... I I watch a lot of hacker movies. And in fact, I I was watching Devs until I realized that it's, it's dull and it's dark and I don't need that right now. Maybe in the future I will finish that series, but right now, no. <laughs> no. That is not what I need in my life right now. But, you know, I even watched, oh, what was that stupid movie that Chris Hemsworth did where he played a hacker in the. I, I, pretty much, with the exception of Mr. Robot, that I have not found an easy way to watch. If you say the term hacker, I'm probably going to watch it at least a little bit to see if I am interested in it. This is a genre that I have a lot of fun with. What makes this particular movie, Hackers, work for me is, well, I understand network operations and I understand how hacking works and that there, and the distinction between a hacker and a cracker and what's actually going on. And I, I don't care about all of that nomenclature. What makes this movie work, what makes it actually work, is that they found a way to visualize hacking in a way that is interesting to watch. If you haven't seen Hackers, or it's been a while and you don't remember, they decided to for the hacking sequences to visualize the insides of a computer like a city where the circuit board is the city streets and the chips, I guess, or the memory unit. It is unclear are the buildings. And we see the hacking that's being done as kind of this aerial assault on the city where the camera flies through this futuristic microchip filled city that looks like something out of an old Daft Punk video to secure the information that they're trying to get or to accomplish the goal that they have set out to accomplish. Now, anybody who knows anything about computers knows this is not the not right. This is not right. That this is not how any of that works. It's not how anything technological works. And I know some people that cannot watch this movie because it is so inaccurate in its understanding of the technology. In fact, one of my absolute favorite lines in the movie is towards the end when, um, (laughs) crash overdrive says you're closest about somebody who is trying to, okay. I am willing to suspend my disbelief and, say that this person has gotten through more firewalls than the other members of the team, and thus, that's why they're closest. Oh, man, this this is not how any of this works. But the beauty of this film, and why I think it makes it into that craptastic movie that I just absolutely love, is that it never, for a moment, forgets that it's a visual medium. And... That is an important thing for me. Audiobooks are audiobooks. Movies are movies. 
I, 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 I must admit, I have a hard time watching movies that are not visually interesting in some way. Because why am I watching this? I, I might allow them to be on in the background and listen to them because they're primarily, you know, discussion driven and they don't have a lot of visual information that I need to be taking in to understand the characters of the plot. But then why are you a movie? <laughs> I mean, I'm being very s sincere here. I, I find it very important that the medium be used for what it's best for. It's a movie. I, I want to see things. That doesn't mean that it has to be, you know, all fast paced and crazy. As I've said before on the show and numerous times, Assassins is one of my favorite movies and it is probably the slowest film I have ever seen outside of one Russian film that I don't remember the name of that took place in the base of a statue of Lenin and was primarily just a person sitting for extended periods of time in different positions. Um, yeah. It's a slow movie, but it works because it remembers that it's a visual medium. It, it is so much a visual story that the dialogue often drifts away and is barely audible to the point where if you watched like the closed caption version like I did, they don't even bother to close caption it because you're not intended to be able to make out what's being said because the camera, the eye has become focused or fixated on something else. And it's, it's, it is a visually stunning film. So I'm not saying that it has to all be like flash and excitement and, you know, rip roaring action. You know, I, I, I like a lot of those kinds of movies because again, that's something that is good for a movie. It works well for a movie. But this film, this, this trashy little garbage fire of a movie, remembers that it is a film and bothers to do things that a lot of even big budget movies forget to do. It has an aesthetic. It has a look to it. It has a feel to it. If you were to take the characters out of this film and plop them into any other film, they really wouldn't feel right. Because it is a unitive experience. And I know I'm really talking up a trashy movie from, like I think, the 90s. But uh, I'm going to keep doing that. Because I really did enjoy this film. I don't know how many times I've watched Hackers over the years. I, I don't know. I, I have owned it in several different mediums. From DVD, I think, was the first time that I had it. That I bought it. I don't think I owned a VHS copy of it. I don't even know if it came out on VHS. I'm f foggy about the transition era there. But I have owned it in various formats over the years. And it's a movie that I go back to every now and then because I have this vague memory in the back of my head that it's fun. And then I watch it and I am reconfirmed in my original assessment that yes, it is a fun movie and I want to watch it because of its funness. 
and I enjoy it yet again. And then I go on blithely with my life as if the film had not occurred. And as a creative person, and I think more than anything, it's why I wanted to talk about it today. In some ways, the movie's purely disposable. You're not going to learn anything from this movie. It's it's not going to give you life lessons, except for one very important one, and that is a well-orchestrated attack by a group of hackers can accomplish amazing things and terrible things, especially when they're going after the FBI agent who's hunting them down. That, that That's probably the funniest sequence in the entire movie. And maybe one of the more plausible sequences in the entire film. But you don't go into a movie like this to learn something. So that, that, that makes it disposable. Or does it? You see, I, I've been struggling with this a lot, given the uh, nature of my own fiction lately, and the work that I'm, I feel compelled to do. Because I don't want to be spending my time digging into serious and deep issues in a way that's all serious and deep. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to cast that out or not have that as part of my fiction. It's that I just want to focus more on my fiction being fun. You know, I hope the other stuff comes along with that. But... You know, my main interest right now is is just writing something that's fun. And this big part of me, which for those of you who have listened to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I call Bob, and Bob is played by a skull on a <laughs> gargoyle who sits on a perch look overlooking my desk, looking at him right now, who speaks up and tells me that I'm wasting my time, my energy, and my efforts, and worse of all, I may be wasting my talents because I'm trying to produce so much fluff. And I don't know if that is a waste of energy, time, or talent. Like, like I said, I, I'm hoping that there, the, the themes in the work that I do always shine through and that people can find something meaningful in the work that I do. I, I don't, I'm not trying to make vapid fiction. And I don't think that vapid fiction and enjoyable fiction are necessarily different. It's one of the reasons why I keep going to Star Trek or Star Wars as examples of what I'm wanting to accomplish when it comes to writing a space opera. Because I think that they are entertaining on their own right, but they also have a deeper level that if you want to get into it, you can get into but it's not required. And that's a skill set that I haven't really worked on for a lot of my writing career. But even if most people miss the deeper message of the fiction, like look at let's look at one of my favorite franchises in, <laughs> of all time. And, and and that is The Wizard of Oz, right? The the Oz books by Frank Albaum. I love these books. I, I, I do. They have a special place in my heart. I read them when I was a kid. I used to watch the movie all the time. I mean, I just... They, Oz 
I, I have in my own head a love for Oz. Like I think a lot of people do for the various Disney characters and don't get me wrong. I love Disney too, but all of the magical things that happen in the land of Oz are just magical. And I love them just because people didn't understand what he was trying to get across in the wizard of Oz, which was originally intended to be a political satire. And he ended up devolving into a children's book series does not make that series or that those books any less valuable. It doesn't. They have meaning for someone like me. There are stories about the outcast and the downtrodden and trying to find some place for themselves in the world. Just that simple premise in its own right is a valuable thing for countless, countless people on this planet who have that experience. Now, I've never been transported to a magical fairyland called Oz, though, you know, I, I, I did try in my younger years, but that's a whole other story that's inappropriate for this podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I think we've all had that feeling of not belonging. And that is at the heart of a lot of this type of media. If, when we look at a movie like Hackers, the main conceit of the film is that people are looking for belonging. They're looking for a place where they fit in and a place where they can follow their dreams and hopes and ambitions. And I guess the data should be free. I mean, they say it a lot, but it's not really the message of the movie. It's just kind of, you know, the mantra that they picked up to give purpose to the hackers more than anything else. Kinda. Yeah. It's a thin movie. <laughs> it's a very thin movie. But that is not an insult. In fact, I think it's what makes it so charming. Many of the movies that I have a deep and abiding love for, while I affectionately call them trash, I, I think spoke to me at various points of my life and continue to speak to me now in ways that more sophisticated fiction couldn't have because I just didn't have time for the nuance. The idea that all of these kids that didn't really fit together well, and for goodness sakes, there's a Rage Against the Machine concert in the middle of the movie, and I was a huge fan of Rage Against the Machine, still am, but more so back in the day. Yeah. It spoke to me and to a lot of my friends at the time. And it still, I guess, for nostalgic purposes, has that ability to speak to me now. It reminds me who I used to be. And to me, that is the best possible thing that nostalgia can do. See, when we sat down to watch Hackers, our goal was just to watch a silly movie that we remembered being a whole lot of fun. But in so doing, it reminded me of who I was back then. But I was much more idealistic and less jaded and didn't have all of the concerns and cares that I do now. Most of which, when I sit down and actually evaluate them and bring a mindful view to them, don't matter in the grand scheme of things. They're just things that I have decided to worry about because, you know, adulting. That is a very valuable thing. And something that I'm very grateful to this movie for being able to do. Because if 
and this will come to no come as no surprise to anybody who's seen the movie and has known me for quite some time. I, I was serial killer in school. I, I was. Like that's who I was in high school and for many years thereafter. Pigtails and all. I was tall. I was gangly. I I also had an eating disorder, but that's neither here nor there, is it? We're not talking about that today. But I didn't feel that I fit in, and I tried too hard to be the person that I thought was cool. But I at least had ambitions. I had goals. I had dreams. I had ideals that I would stand for. Principles that, well, I haven't lost or forgotten. They're not as bright and shiny in my mind anymore. And so I just wanted to say thanks to this movie for bringing that back and encourage you to try to find something in your life that will do that for you. See, there, there are some movies back from the 90s that really have this power to transport me back, and some even earlier ones. All the He-Man stuff that I have around me. I have a sorceress sitting on top of my desk because I always wanted to be the sorceress in He-Man, and it brings me back to a lot of my happy memories of my childhood. Find something for you. Find something that makes you happy. Find something that makes you remember who you wanted to be. And makes you relive the best parts of your past. And I would love to hear about it. I really would. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. I'd especially like to know what properties do this for you, especially film. I'm, I'm, I know we're all kind of sitting around binging right now and yeah, especially films, but music would also be cool. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I'm C Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. All right. Well, I've got a lot going on and I want to be talking about it, but I don't want to say anything yet. Oh, it's driving me crazy. So let's just say until next time, stay safe, stay well, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.